0: Now we have sound. That's it. Thank you, Teresa, giving us the heads up. Welcome to Coffee Talk. We're here with Father Leon, and we're here to talk over some coffee. Cheers, fellas. Um, cheers. Cheers. ka um So I, you should be able to hear us now, but let us know if you don't. Um,
1: so, yeah, we're talking Preston about... focus on. Yeah, no, I, I just heard you on here. Yes, we do have sound. Yep. It's wonderful. The small things in life that we're so thankful for.
0: <laughs> and aren't we thankful? Absolutely. Thankful.
1: So what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah, what's, uh, what's the word of the day? The word of the day? You know, I don't have one of those calendars that gives you a word every day. So I would say the word of the day is this. thinking
0: oh i'm thinking the word
1: of the day is be ready for mother's day oh it's coming that's the word of the day it is coming be ready for mother's day mm. absolutely this sunday it is and shopping is a little harder I, I got my shopping done you did i did nice i was proactive took care of it
0: Picked up a couple of nice things for Ani. Nice. Yeah, a couple of things she'll appreciate. I don't know if she's going to be watching this, so I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, But I did tell her ahead of time, I said, be on the lookout for some packages and don't open them. Nice. And she gave me a look. That's what I got. Hmm.
1: (laughs) Well, that's nice. I am glad you got that done. That is a good project. Good project. Hmm.
0: Uh, your mom passed away a while ago. Yes. How is Mother's Day for you? Like, Do you have any traditions that you do on Mother's Day for
1: I mean, since my mom is gone, not so much. I mean, sometimes I'll stop and see my sister, but we, we won't be doing that either, uh, given all of the social distancing. So I'm sure I'll talk to my sister. But, you know, we would uh, sometimes get together at my sister's house. Uh, after, um, and of course uh, she's got two sons, but I'm not sure that she'll see them because mm. the family is taking the whole social distancing thing pretty seriously. Um, so yeah, not really, I, my, my only real tradition now is that I usually go to the cemetery, which I'll probably do uh, on Sunday, you know, at some point I usually go, uh, I will usually take flowers but since I am kind of like staying away from all stores, I doubt that I'll be taking flowers this year. I will give my mother an, an IOU for uh, for flowers. Okay. My guess is she'll she'll handle that. You know. Okay. She generally doesn't complain about much when I visit anymore. <laughs> Not that mother complained before, anyways. But that's fair. Yeah.
0: You know, I never had the chance to meet your mom. Why don't you tell us,
1: what was your mom like? What was mother like? That's a great question. Uh, I don't even know where you begin. Uh, well, she was a good mom. I mean, she was a full-time mom, which is unusual these days uh, in many circles. So she, um, she would, well, let's see, when I was growing up, was different the new young people today, you know, um, we, we would walk home for lunch from school. So I grew up walking home from school and while I grew up always walking to and from school, but we'd walk home for lunch. Mother would have a hot lunch waiting on the table for us. My sister and myself, and we would walk back to school. We'd come home from school and there would be a snack waiting for us. And, uh, you know, mother baked every day and everything was homemade from scratch. Mm. Nothing from, you know, it's not like today where you buy like pre pre pre-made and warm it up or you buy frozen and warm it up. Uh, mother made everything from scratch. She even baked everything from scratch, no cake mixes. That was not allowed. Mm. Um, so she was a good mom. Uh, she was a very intelligent person. I, I know my mother speaks to me daily, pretty much saying, you're giving me all this credit since I'm dead. You should have given me more credit when I was alive, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there is a lot of truth. I think the older you yourself get, the more wise you see your parents were. Mm. So she had a lot of wisdom. she she was, um, she was a lot of fun. She liked to tease and joke. Uh, she was a good mom of a teenager, as I remember, you know, uh, at, at Riverside High School, I always took a lunch, which, which my mother always made, and so, you know, mother was very exact with everything, so I would have my two sandwiches all made, cut correctly, done in wax paper, then done into a Ziploc bag, I would get my tomatoes with the little packages of individual salt for, for me to salt my tomatoes, a mm. uh, fresh-baked item for dessert. It was not, not bad.
0: No, I haven't had lunch yet.
1: So I'm was... killing you here, <laughs> Matt. I'm killing you. And, uh, but every so often, I would get a note in my lunch from Mother to say, now that I have my teenage son's attention. <laughs> so uh, so she she knew what she was doing. And uh, looking back, she was, she was wise beyond her years. You know, we think that, that, that parents today, you know, sometimes aren't always aware. I think they, they, they know more than they let us on. Mm. I remember when we were graduating and we had a party. Um, we had this tradition of party hopping from the school. So everybody had a party and everybody came to the party. And my mother insisted that our house be first. She insisted on it. And, uh, I thought it was just because they wanted to have the party be done and and I see him. Um, and she said, no, she said, I know we're not serving alcohol and I'm going to give all of you food and proper things to coat your stomachs and you better not drink. (laughs) She prepped you well. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so she, you know, she was, she was on top of her game. (laughs) She was definitely on top of her game. So, um. Born and raised in the same house, lived her whole life in the same house, died in our house. So she always said, I was born in this house, I will die here. And she meant it. She was born in the house, not just in. That's what she always said. She said, I was born in this house. Now, I do have her birth certificate, so I'll have to look and see. But you have to understand that was before the Depression began, and it was not uncommon to be born in your home. I mean, the lady who lived across the street from us was a midwife. That's what she did. She would come to your home to birth your
0: child. You know, Ani asked me if I would be interested in something
1: like that. No.
0: No, can't do it. No, I can't do it.
1: <laughs> so I'll have to ask my sister. I don't know um, if mother was born, technically born in the house or not. That, that is a detail I don't know. But I do have mother's birth certificate, so I'll say on there. But you have to remember back in those days too, when someone died, the wake was in the house. You didn't have funeral parlors like we do today. Oh, oh interesting. So we have, in Polish, you'd call it obrazek. In English, I don't know what you call it, other than the little holy card, remembrance card you get at a wake. Yeah. Okay, in Polish, that card is called an obrazek. There really isn't a word in English that translates from obrazek. I mean, we would probably in English call them holy cards. I mean, um, but our funeral remembrance card, Mm. which is basically the definition of the word. But there isn't a single word in English that would match. Well, at any rate, in the old days, and I have these cards, like I have my grandparents and my great-grandparents, my great-uncles and aunts when they died. I have their ex you know, we saved all that stuff. And it has the address of our house or the address of their house, because that's where the wake was. Mm. And... Wow.
0: Okay, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So mother was pretty cool. Mother was a great mom. She did everything right.
0: Now, isn't there a special bond between a priest and his mother at ordination?
1: Yes. Well, there is um, when the priest... When we get ordained, our hands are anointed with oil. Priests ordained a priest, not ordained a deacon, ordained a priest. Our hands are anointed with oil. And then they're bound, tied, with a cloth called a maniturgen. And uh, then you after the bishop anoints your hand, and you fold them and he ties them. So it's like a sign of binding you to your duties mm. and the consecration of the hand setting them aside for the sacred duties, particularly the Eucharist, you know. Mm. Then you go off to the sacristy and they untie you. (laughs) And, uh, you know, ideally you rub all that oil into the Maniturgen. So the Maniturgen has your name and date of ordination on it. Mm. And so it's the custom that when the mother of the priest dies, she is buried, as my mother was buried, holding my maniturgen. So she's buried with that, and the tradition behind it uh, is that when St. Peter sees a woman carrying a maniturgeon to the gates of heaven, he knows that she is a mother of a priest and is automatically welcomed into heaven. Now, the less than perfect tradition part of it is the addition that we have all added on why does saint peter immediately let her in not only because she's the mother of the priest but because he knows raising a priest to hell on earth the poor woman went through (laughs) come on it's like okay time served on this one in (laughs) so that's kind of what we joke about you know wow yep That's kind of awesome. Yep.
0: So, so talking about moms today, um, May,
1: month of Mary, this seems pretty appropriate, right? Talking about moms and Mary? Yep, absolutely. May, one of Mary's two months, May and October. Hmm. So, what is it about May that we
0: kind of draw Mary into? Like, why is... That's a great question.
1: I don't know the real history other than probably something somewhere in tradition, uh, sign of springtime, you know, May, at least for us in Western New York, we hope is spring. Of course it's supposed to snow this weekend. Um, so if it's has to deal with the, the spring, um, Mary appeared in Fatima in May My mother was born on the Feast of Fatima, seven years after it took place. Mm. Uh, So if there's some tie there, I just know growing up, we always celebrated May and October as Mary's two months. Why, I don't know in history or tradition where that developed. I'd have to look at it. Because there's no particularly Marian feast day in either of those two months. Mm. Which is maybe also one of the reasons why it was chosen to keep Mary on our minds. But I'm not sure of the direct tie of May to Mary. Mm. But regardless, it's a good time to
0: reflect on her, right? Absolutely true. I, I like that imagery of, of springtime with Mary. You know, I, I went to Saint Teresa's in South Buffalo and we had um, we had May crowning. Every year, every May, it would be a big ordeal. You know, you get the, the crowned, flowered, um, or the, the crown of flowers that right. we, we go we put up there. This
1: Friday, 8th grade was supposed to do that because that's part of class day here. But uh, obviously they will not be able to. Yeah. Yeah, and we used to do the same. We used to crown Mary. Yep. So that was a big deal for you guys too. Yeah. And it was,
0: um, it was cool. It always stood out to me, you know, and... When you associate spring flowers Mary, it's like that perfect
1: yeah I, you know? I i think really that would be my two cents as to why it's because may is really spring you know it's spring and I, I don't care where you live even if you live in florida it's still spring you know it's it's you know it doesn't mean snow is melted you don't have to have that to have spring and so that'd be probably my my guess is to deal with spring Hey guys, we would love to take your
0: questions on generally anything. But if you have questions about Mary, uh, life, fire them off. We would love to take them and answer them. Um, but especially with Mary here, I'd love to kick this around a little bit because it's perfect time of the year to poke the pastor about it. So,
1: why do we why do we call Mary our mother? Well, I think primarily now. Theologians may disagree on this, but I don't think so. Uh, Jesus entrusted her to us as our mother on the cross. So my two cents would be that is the primary reason. You know, we know at the moment on the cross, uh, Jesus turns to uh, John and you know, you know, uh, well to Mary and said, oh, "Behold your son," and "Son, mm-hmm. behold your mother." And from that moment forward, John took her into his home and cared for her and so of course in scripture in the gospel of john we never really know who the beloved disciple is because john you know doesn't call the beloved disciple by a proper name Uh, so scripture theologians would say well john is talking about himself well if john was talking about himself that's a you know Definitely no self-esteem issues there, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the beloved disciple. Please <laughs> allow me to break my arm, patting myself on the back. And uh, <laughs> you guys remember, <laughs> beloved. yeah, loved. You yeah, know, Peter, you might be in charge of the church. I'm the beloved disciple, and uh, so. But we would also say, scripture theologians would commonly agree. Why is John the beloved disciple? Why does he write himself as the beloved disciple? Because he is standing in all of our place, that all of us Mm -hmm. are the beloved disciple. So as John is standing there kind of, if you will, in proxy for all of the disciples of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, it wasn't just a physical act of, hey, take care of my mom since I'm dying. It was entrusting her to the care of all disciples as mother, you know, and uh, uh, entrusting our care to his mother, who became our mother. Of course, you know, in the time that Jesus lived, uh, the order of widows was an important thing. And if a widow died without children, You know, there was the order of widows we hear about in the scripture. You hear about the early uh, deacons were in charge of of making sure that the widows were cared for with the daily distribution of the food. So Mm. there was actually like the order of widows. Now, if a widow had other children, I mean had children, it was the children's responsibility to care for their mother. And, of course, in the Gospels, that's also why you see Jesus moved at compassion as he's walking and he sees the funeral procession, and it was the son, the only son of this widow. Mm. And nobody asked him to do anything, of course, but he went and he raised this man from the dead and entrusted him back to his mom and his mom back to him. Well, that was huge because in addition to this woman mourning her son's death, she had to be wondering who's going to take care of me. Mm -hmm. There's no one now to take care of me, you know. So in that act, a very human act as well in the scripture, Jesus, only child, Mary, well now this is your son, and son, take care of your mother. Mm -hmm. So if you will, there's that cultural human piece to that story that sometimes maybe we don't appreciate or understand because it's not necessarily part of our culture, even though it really is. If one parent passes away. Generally the kids step in to start helping the surviving parent You know, so it is kind of what we do today But we don't really think of the scripture in that way. Mm. Wow. So I'm reading
0: dr. John's dr. John Bergsma's studies on the Old Testament. Yes, um, what blows me away is the connection between Mary and Eve, you know, as Mary's the new Eve. The new
1: Eve, correct. Uh, what,
0: what can you share about that?
1: Well, I think the best example um, would really be John's Gospel, again, the Gospel of John, <laughs> chapter 2, the wedding story of Cana, because, first of all, nowhere in John's Gospel is Mary ever called by her proper name. Is always called the mother of Jesus even in that story Jesus's disciples were invited to the wedding the mother of Jesus was also there a little strange way to word it you mm-hmm. know especially in other Gospels Mary's name by name you know the mother of Jesus was there you know a little odd mm-hmm. so uh, the, the real tie would be in that gospel uh, why Well, first of all, Mary, uh, we don't know who is getting married that day. That's never disclosed. Uh, Presumably, it's got to be someone close in nature to the family. Uh, If Mary seemed to be playing somewhat of a a role there, you know. So, So, number one, she was aware of what was going on. Number two, she had the power and the authority to tell the servants, do whatever he tells you. You know, uh, if, if, if I'm at your wedding reception and I was there, if I went up to the waitstaff and I said, I need you to do this for me, they would probably say, yeah, you're not paying the bill. <laughs> you know, uh, so probably back then, those days, too. So she had to have some real connection to whoever was getting married. And she's, first of all, in her real role. What is her real role? Her real role is that of Queen Mother. And what is the role of Queen Mother? That's really the Old Testament. Old Testament, who was the queen in the kingdom? The queen in the kingdom was not the wife of the king. It was the mother. Why? Because the king had many wives. Now, I will not put you on the spot, but, you know, if you had many wives and you picked one over the other, what would life be like at home? Not good. Well, I'll tell you, if, if I had multiple wives, it starts right there with the problem. So. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so... If you look in the Scripture, and this is why many people who are not of the faith, you know, when they pick on Catholics for worshiping Mary and going to her for intercession, they really don't know their Scripture because that was the whole role of the mother of the king. Mother of the king was to be among the people, and the people, if they had a need, they were to win the hearing of the mother of the king. If Queen Mother liked what they were saying or sided with them or gave the sympathetic vote, she would say, I will take this to my son, the king. And we even hear in the scripture, you know, where the king will say, mother, come sit and tell me what your needs are. You know, mm-hmm. we hear that. So first of all, Mary's in her role interceding for this couple, unnamed couple, obviously terribly embarrassing moment to run out of wine at a wedding, mm-hmm. you know. But secondly, what is going on here? Well, we have the ushering in of grace. We have the ushering in of salvation. We have the ushering in of redemption. Just as sin entered the world through whom Eve, Eve was the one who took the fruit she wasn't supposed to take. As my saint and mother would have said, life would have been different if it wasn't for that lousy apple. You know, of course, it doesn't call it an apple in the scripture, but nonetheless, you know, sin entered. Why? Because Eve was convinced she was tricked. She sinned listening to the serpent, the devil. And as I've often said, if you ever tell me a serpent is actually talking to you, you probably need to seek competent, professional help. <laughs> and definitely, minimally, do not engage it in a conversation. <laughs> so, but she did. She, she took that fruit. She gave it to Adam. Now, Adam's not without sin. Why? Because he should have been protecting his wife. Presumably, they were there together. You know, I love Dan Lawson's talk
0: on this. Yes. uh, Dan Lawson, excellent guy. Um, He he gives a talk and he he shares with the teenagers uh, this story. Yeah, And he He brings up one of them. He says, all right, hey, I want you to sit here and just look at your hand, right? And he'll have one of the guys come up and he'll just look at his hand. And he'll keep doing things. And then all of a sudden... This is exactly what Adam was doing, just sitting there staring at his hand. What was
1: Adam doing during this? Just staring at his hand. He was right there. He didn't do anything. He didn't nothing. That was his sin. He didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. But so sin entered through a woman, Eve, sharing that fruit with Adam, her husband, the firstborn of all. So now we would say to undo that sin is redemption, our Savior Jesus, born of Mary, the new Eve. So just as sin entered through Eve, so too now redemption enters through the new Eve, the Blessed Mother Mary, and Jesus is the new Adam. And it all begins in John's Gospel that way. Why? Because that's the very first miracle. What does Jesus say? Woman, this concern of yours, how does it affect me? Now, you know, I have said many a time from the pulpit, now, I don't know about your house, growing up in my house, if mother said, Leo, will you take the garbage out? And I said, woman, how does this concern of yours affect me? That would not have gone over very well. <laughs> I, I tell you, I would have. My mom would,
0: lovely woman. She's the sweetest woman ever, you know. But there there's definitely times when she would whack me with whatever she had in hand. I earned it, through and through. I earned it, but telephones, paddles, whatever. Meet <laughs> No. Thankfully, <laughs> I was quick, so I could dodge <laughs> the cleavers. But uh, yeah, that's not the kind of language I.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have survived through. But where else do we hear that? We hear it in the in the God, in the Garden of Eden, mm. when God is looking for Adam, Adam is hiding and. You know, it's like, really, you're hiding from God, really? Okay, yeah, you think you're going to pull this one off? Okay, you know, what have you been drinking? But at any rate, (laughs) you know, I'm hiding, but why are you hiding? Well, I'm naked. Oh, really? And you figured this out how? (laughs) You know, and what did he say? Well, it's not my fault. The woman you put here with me, she did it. Yeah, blame God, not a good plan. (laughs) You know, it's the same word. And that word is rarely used in the scripture. Mm. That exact word that we translate to woman, used in John, used in, in, um, in Genesis, it's, it's the exact same word. And so it's definitely a tie that in this act we are seeing the new creation. And it's tying it to two, Jesus himself and that word, tying it to that moment of creation, that story in the garden. And it's uh, it's the unraveling of sin. It is the redemption of sin. It's the restoration of life. So why do we call Mary the new Eve? What is the connection? That is the connection, really, in John's Gospel, the, the um, uh, wedding feast of Cana, you know, to, to to see the undoing of the pattern of sin now ushering in grace. You know? mm. And then that's the bookends. One end of the bookends, we have Mary kicking things off, do whatever he tells you. And then at the end, we have what John entrusting. Uh, uh, she is entrusted to John's care, and John is entrusted to her care. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: the two bookends. And Mount Otis, even on the cross, Jesus calls her what? Woman. Woman. Not mother. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. It's almost like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I I think you could build a case for that. (laughs) I think you could build a case for that.
0: (laughs) Okay, so so we have Mary, who uh, is clearly of major significance, right? I've been, Ani and I attempted to go through the consecration. We got about halfway through when we were, we just got bogged down of doing it every day. And we ended up having more days where we were catching up than we were doing it. So we set it aside. And, all right, let's, let's put it down. Let's go through it. One of the, we're actually starting it again. So you're we, talking about
1: the 33 days to morning glory. 33 days to, Okay.
0: yeah. And so we're, we're working on consecrating our marriage to Mary. And um, one of the things that I found most challenging, because we got maybe more than halfway through it, but out of all the things that are talked about in that, I think the biggest challenge for me, and even being a youth minister, was hearing about how you have to give over the graces of your prayer to Mary. You know? and, and I found that to be really challenging. Um, so, And we've had a lot of people go through it, through the ministry, young adults, what would you say for people who get caught up in that that portion of consecration of say, and it goes back to Queen Mother, and presumably that that's where it lies, but how does that sit?
1: Well, that's a great question. And that's one I, I mean, in utmost honesty, I struggle with myself. Uh, I was, you know, when I first read it, you know, I like, did I read this right, <laughs> you know? You kind of backtrack because really scripturally, in my opinion, there's not really a place where we are told, you know, to just tell Mary everything and pray and she'll sort it all out. Um, I suppose if you go back into the Old Testament again, what was the role of Queen Mother to hear the needs of the people and then. I am quite certain the people then were no different than the people today. Uh, there was no shortage of needs given to Queen Mother. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the scripture when we hear, you know, the king call, uh, you know, Mother comes to tell me what it is you need. And, uh, you know, she probably said, well, you want the list alphabetically, categorically, or in order of importance, or order of appearance. I'm much, like, well, <laughs> you know, I'm sure those things were edited out. Um, So I could see using human reason that you could make a statement like that. I don't believe Gately himself roots it in that, but that's where I would probably look to it, just using human reason and knowing the history of intercessory uh, prayer, if you will, intercession of queen mother to the king. And it only stands to reason that Queen Mother had to prioritize what she was taking to her son. It only stands stands to reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it difficult to follow that part of Gately's pr- uh, prayer because I think it's been so ingrained in all of us. Will you, you know, will you please pray for me? I'm having surgery. Will you Please pray for me. Mm-hmm. I've got cancer. Will you please pray for me? My Son's going through his exams. Will you please pray for him? You know, my daughter's got a tough marriage. Will you please pray for her? I mean, we're always being asked to pray for something specific. And I think, really, the call is to lift all those things up, again, alphabetically, categorically, in order of importance or in order of appearance, just lift them all up and say, okay, Lord, these are everything I've been asked to pray for. Mother, Mary, these are everything I've been asked to pray for. You sort it out now off my desk on yours. Sorry to do that. And, you know, and you, you lift it up in prayer. In some senses, maybe that's what we already do, though. I mean, when I sit and do morning prayer or evening prayer, either alone or with the guys, you know, the priests in the house, um, you know, in morning prayer and evening prayer, we have the... Time for intercessions, so not only do we pray the prescribed ones that are part of the read the liturgy, of the hours, but we always pause and you know we lift up, you know who we know from the parishes and the hospital. We we lift up all these kinds of things. So it may, maybe in some senses that's what it's about. I don't know that it's it's so much that we can't say, "Geez, please, you know, please pray for Adam, you know, because he's got ABC going on in his life." We lift all of these things up to the Lord and just say, I, I'm, I'm offering prayer, and you now do as you see fit. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I reasoned it out in my head. I'm not sure, although reading that the Gately uh, book, you know, you could walk away with the impression that we should not mention any of the intentions, we should just pray. Well, good luck with that. I mean, if I come to Adam and say, "Adam, will you please pray for me? I'm having surgery next week." Is that not going to be on your mind and in your heart? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's going to be. It's not like, uh, okay, yeah, I'm going to forget that because I don't really need to remember it. So, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to remember you're having surgery. I'm just going to pray, and God will figure it out. Well, it's, it's in your heart. It's in your mind. It's it's who we are. You know, I mean, short of having too many intentions or having issues with your memory and i don't mean that derogatorily i mean that sincerely Uh, some people do have problems with their memories then i think the lord just takes those prayers he knows what they are you know Mm -hmm. but otherwise it's still in our mind and in our heart as you pray the rosary or you pray in meditation or contemplation the lord knows everything that's in the heart you know So while this is it's
0: probably a a tough uh, thought to kind of grind on a little bit I think a lot of people hit that and they really have to ponder and work through um, what that is it kind of reminds me of just the fact that Mary catches a lot of heat often you know even inside of the church but outside of the church um, why do you think that she catches so much
1: flack you know like why is she so controversial? Isn't anyone who reveals Jesus controversial in the world today? Um, I mean, I think that's the bottom line, salient point. I can be brief. No, I choose <laughs> not to be. But I can be. And, <laughs> But I mean, isn't it true? I mean, in the culture in which we live, and it's not unique to other time periods. If you really stand for the truth of of the Word of Christ, are you not going to be controversial and rejected? And I think that's that's the point. And you know, it's it's very interesting. And I do not mean this in any way, shape, or form derogatorily to our brothers and sisters of other Christian denominations. I really do not mean it uh, in disrespect but how many of them look to the Catholic Church as a lead. I remember when Pope John Paul II died. I won't name the church. It was uh, one of the mainline Protestant faiths. Well, it still is one of the mainline Protestant faiths. They still exist. And that church still exists. And that pastor still exists. And uh, friends of mine belong there. And they shared with me, that in church that Sunday that John Paul II died, their pastor, a Protestant pastor, well respected man, a good man, said, you know, that basically said, we pray for the Catholic Church, we pray because Pope John Paul II has passed away. And he said, and I remember the verbatim quote, although we do not believe in following the Pope, we all look to him as the beacon of morality and the way to live our lives. Mm. A pretty strong statement coming from a Protestant pastor. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so in there, acknowledging, okay, we don't necessarily, you know, follow this man. He's not the leader of our church. But you know what? In between the lines, he is. <laughs> That's kind of what I took away from that comment. And you know, to bring it very close to home, you know, why is the scandal of the church so much always in the news and being drilled upon? And under this uh, law of suing for one year, why do all of the attorneys focus on, have you been abused by a priest or the church? Tell me, have you ever heard a commercial, have you been abused by your public school teacher? Your varsity coach? No, never. Why? Because mm. we still stand for the truth. And the truth is not always accepted. Mm. And has there been wrongdoing? Of course there has. We, we see that. We know it now. Uh, we're trying to rectify it. But now it is the time to try to knock down a peg the one who stands for the truth of, of, of life and every social issue, mm. my own opinion. So to your question, you know, why do they not really listen to Mary or why do they belittle or berate us for, for praying that way? I think anybody who stands for the truth ultimately is gonna be uh, knocked down. You know, what does Jesus say in the time of his passion? This is the hour of darkness. Look, the hour of darkness is upon us. It is the power of evil now. It is their moment. Hmm. Attacking truth. Well, we're digging deeper. You know, I yeah, think that's it. really it.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe on a lighter side.
1: A lighter side.
0: On a lighter side. With um, regards to Mary. We could probably dive into that a whole lot more. You know, Maybe we can do one about, about the scandal. If we want to dig into that, maybe we can do a coffee talk another time about it. Sure. But um, bringing it back to Mary with a lot of the apparitions right, that have come up. I, I find them fascinating. We have on the horizon, World Youth Day, and I tell you, World Youth Day keeps coming up just about every coffee talk. It's now three years away. They they bumped it back a year, but Fatima's on the horizon being in Portugal, Lisbon. Fatima's gonna be a big part of that. So that's gonna be uh, really kind of building as we get closer to it. But the other ones too, every apparition I think is just fascinating when you dig into what happen what the story is behind it but Mary's always coming back to just lead us back to Christ and to uh, have us repent so what are your takes on the
1: apparitions and it's place in the church so does your mother as an adult married with two children ever say hey Adam you need to do does she ever kind of redirect you ever yep yeah, isn't that what a mom does? I mean, why is Mrs. Matar doing her son's commercials for the law firm now? Uh, you know, my son, you know, call my son. <laughs> it's not unusual for mother to be looking after her kids. No matter how many years those kids are raised and on their own. That's what mothers do. So apparitions in general don't surprise me because again, it's not that unusual of a concept of a mother to be doing these things. And really, you know, I'll say a couple of things. One, anything that was said in, in these apparitions have been pretty basic things. They're not like earth shattering, we're changing the whole direction of faith and salvation here. No, they're they're pretty much basic. Reminder, basic prayer, go back, you know. So really the apparitions do not surprise me in any way. Why? I think mother, Mary's being a good mother, staying after her kids, and what? Redirecting them back where they need to go. That's mm-hmm. just what a mom does. So I think that's what she's doing. Uh, Fatima, I, I, you know, I mean, when I, was, I went, to, I was in Fatima, I was in college. I went to Fatima. And um I will fully admit fully admit that I went a great skeptic of Fatima, of apparitions and Mary appearing to people and talking to them and I left uh, uh completely reversed. I left with great faith. You know, and and it was the experience there. Okay, I did not hear voices. <laughs> uh actually we did get to celebrate mass though with um with uh, Jacinta was the last uh, last of them alive. We we got to celebrate mass with her at her monastery. She was behind the rail, mm-hmm. so we got to celebrate mass with her, which was really awesome. But you know, I, I just left because you knew you were on holy ground. I mean, it's like going to the World Trade Center after it was bombed. You couldn't speak. I was there about a month after it was bombed. You know. You couldn't speak. Why? You you knew you were standing on sacred soil. You knew something happened there. Same kind of an experience being at Fatima. You you knew something happened here. You just knew it. Can't tell you how I knew it. I didn't read it in a brochure. You just knew it. Walking on that property, you knew it. You just knew you're on sacred ground. And um, when you see the faith of the people, as a whole and i'm not talking just the pageantry of the beautiful candlelight prayer ceremonies at night prayer services i mean they're beautiful they really are and very motivating but you just see the depth of people and the depth of their faith It's extremely inspiring Mm.
0: i had that feeling um being at auschwitz you you walk into that property and you know the history behind it but you walk on there and all of a sudden it just becomes real something happened here yeah Yeah.
1: and anybody who goes there says the same thing you don't speak because there's signs telling you not to you don't speak because you're almost incapable of speaking because you know you feel you experience today what happened there during the war So the natural question that you will ask the next is why why we wait to say if an apparition is valid or not. Why? (laughs) Because the church moves slowly. We all know that. (laughs) Church moves slowly. And the church will not move on any of that, until Mary has declared that she will not appear any longer in this setting. Because the church has to also investigate is this valid? Is this real? Is this truly happening? You know, some individuals can say, I mean, we have people saying that they see Mary in their bagel in the morning, you know. Uh, you see those stories every so often in the news, you know. We have to make sure it's not some hoax or something else. All the church needs to do is say, yes, over at XYZ, uh, uh, Mary's appearing. And then as soon as we give a credence, you know, Mary declares, you know, Jesus to be not the Savior. And, (laughs) you know, you have to be sure this this, and investigate is is what Mary's saying consistent with with what we know of her and know of Christ and know of the teaching of of our faith for some 2,000 years. And I think Pope, now St. John Paul II, had the best answer, not that he needs me to agree with him. But, you know, he was asked once, why aren't you saying Medjugorje is, you know, is authentic? Why why aren't you willing to do that? And he said, well, it is not time to do that. And he said, but if your faith grows by making a pilgrimage there, then go. There's nothing wrong with it. So that was a perfect answer. Mm. If you feel closer uh, to our Blessed Mother and to to Christ by making pilgrimage there, well, then by all means go there. There's nothing wrong with going there. But as far as saying this is all authentic, it is not the time yet to make that declaration. Mm. Wow. Have you been to Medjugorje? No. I've heard that it's beautiful over there. I have too. And someday maybe I'll make it. Uh, I I have no opposition to going. It's a little more rigorous of a trip, you know. Yeah. Maybe
0: when we do our St. Greg's pilgrimage to the Holy Land, we can include that in as a stop.
1: Well, know? I would definitely, uh, you're <clears throat> clicking up the cost of the trip by doing that, but yes, it could be done. It's just a quick train ride. Yeah. From Israel, <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not.
0: Oh, cool. Well, we are um, we're really cooking here on time, so okay, maybe that's a good good place to kind of end it. Um. So thanks for for hopping on here. Do you do you have any any tips for someone kind of exploring out, Mary? Like how how do you how do you start? How do you start with your relationship with
1: Mary? That's a great question. Where do you start? I think you just present yourself. That's where you start. You know, you can certainly uh, dive into maybe reading some of the scripture where Mary is mentioned or named or Mm. uh, to learn a little bit about her. Certainly can read a book. You know, as you mentioned earlier, you were going through some of Dr. Bergsma's teachings, you know. Um, And there's uh, many good new series, especially on Formed. Mm. There's one complete series on on the Blessed Mother. I want to say it's from Dr. Shree, but I I won't put my hand on the Bible and swear that I got that one right. I get lost in my names every once in a while. Uh, So... And I think the best way is to just present yourself to her and ask her to join you in prayer. I mean, I, I don't think it's that hard. You know, it's uh, like people say, well, how do you begin praying to to, to Jesus? It's, well, you know, show up. <laughs> it's not, not that hard, you know, and, uh, you know, I, uh some have said, and myself among them, but I didn't create the idea. I stole it from others. You know, uh, how how is it that you pray before the Lord Well, you just show up? It's just like going to the beach. What do you have to do to get a suntan? Not much. You just show up and lay there. Pretty much takes care of it all for you. <laughs> Not much you got to do. Uh, Polish skin you better have like SPF 5 billion so you don't turn to a you know a crisp <laughs> burn into a piece of bacon or something but, but um, you just show up and I think that's where you begin just show up mm. and say you know Mary I know your mother I don't really know you and I don't know what it means but I'm here so please help me and that's what you do you show up and then slowly start to read and study to learn and allow that knowledge to inform your prayer, and your prayer to inform your knowledge.
0: Mm. Great tip. Great tip. Well, Awesome. Well, thanks, Valia. No problem. And thank you for following along and listening in. And if you found this valuable, or maybe someone can really learn something from this that you know, pass it along, share it. Share it on Facebook, YouTube, wherever. Um, send it a text to a friend, family member. But um, yeah, that's, that's all we got for today. And would you mind closing us up with a blessing?:
1: Absolutely.. Why are we also talking about Mary when we offer a Hail Mary? So we pray, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Lord be with you. With your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cool. Thanks.
0: And thank you, guys. We will see you soon. We'll be back tomorrow and Friday with Coffee Talk, as well as I think Praise and Worship is going on tonight. So hop on later tonight um, for Praise and Worship P-Dubs with the band. That's going to be a great time. Edge tomorrow. We are off from Life Teen on Sunday for Mother's Day. Uh, But Amped is back on next Tuesday. So looking forward to seeing all you guys very soon. And know we're praying for you.
1: Have a good one. Adios. Adios.